Previously on the Simply Human Podcast. This dog would just lay in the same spot, just go to the bathroom wherever he was laying. It was a really bad last couple of years. But uh, he died the night before I took my SATs. Oh my gosh. And this was like, this dog had been around. I'd never known life without this dog. And Bill's face was like over you. Just like, you can do it, Rick. Yeah. It's episode 96 of the Simply Human Podcast with your hosts, Mark and Rick. Two human beings being human. Our goal is to help you understand how humans are designed to eat, sleep, move, and enjoy, and how you can start living more like a human today. On today's show, it is Nate Summers, Program Director of the Wilderness Awareness School. Then it's another moderately funny edition of the Humans Being Human segment with... Lonnie! Lonnie, our good friend and longtime listener. And we'll wrap up with our Simply Human Tip of the Week. How are you, Rick? I'm great. How are you, Mark? I'm good. Uh, we have we have a lot of uh, pressure on us, Rick, <laughs> from from external sources. Are you trying to make a sex joke? Because I feel like that's really I feel strongly feel like that's the direction you're taking this. In. I wasn't, but I could see how you would think that. <laughs> yeah, I know. So the Jossa retreat, you know, was I guess two two shows ago. So like we released the show. With Jason, that that was recorded before As the retreat. As we were recording this, it was a week ago. But yeah. yeah, okay. And just about everyone, not everyone. There's probably sixty people there. Oh, you sure there weren't nine more than that? There were just under seventy. That's what uh, someone <laughs> there was like. Hey, there's seventy recipes in the Alt Shift book. Take Man. one out. Find which one's the loser. Take it out. One, one too many. By the way, very quickly, I do get a kick out of like uh, people do enjoy our sophomore sense of humor because we'll get emails from people with sixty nine jokes yeah. in them. Rob, so I love all of you. Yeah, Rob was at the retreat. That that guy was at the retreat. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, everyone's like, "Man, you guys are so funny. I laugh all the time when I'm listening to y'all. Y'all You're are so Rick's funny. so funny." And that's like, dude, we got to continue being funny. So say something funny, Rick. God, that is the worst ever when someone's like, oh, yeah, this is this is Ricky's so fun to be funny. Come on, funny man. Turn it on. Book yeah. the switch. I'm like, oh, well, it's feline leukemia can be a humorous subject depending on what angle to which you approach it. I hate that. Well, I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that you had a good time there. I'm glad people are enjoying us. You were like you sent me a text You're like, hey, we got to get you to come to one of these retreats, man, because everyone's asking about you. I was yeah. like. Okay, they would be asking about me until like four minutes after I got there. And like, okay, well, this guy's not that funny. Well, or, oh, this guy has no expertise or knowledge to pass forward. We, we had to leave. Um, and like, because you farted in the room and cleared it out and everyone made you leave early. Is that what you're going to say? That also happened, but I was talking about at like the leaving the retreat. So our flight, at the time our flight was, we had to leave Chico back to Sacramento like at 8 o'clock. And so that's like right when the, the thing started on Sunday. Well, I went over there like at 740 just to like say goodbye to everybody before the eight o'clock thing started. Everyone to a person was like, oh, is Jen not with you? Where's Jen? She stayed back to like pack up all her all her stuff, you know, and like no one was like, oh, good. We want to. And they're like, oh, I guess we'll take a picture with you and say goodbye <laughs> to you. Like Jen, is, does Jen have a podcast? Does Jen have a blog? It's like, seriously? It really is very, very funny that like. Uh, and I say you and I, like I'm a part of that. You do a lot of grinding with this. You do a lot of like planning, a lot of <laughs> you know emails and setting up interviews and setting up times. I don't really have anything to do with that. You just say, hey, let's we're gonna record Wednesday at 9:30. I'm like, okay, sounds good. That's all I do. Uh, but you really do a lot of grinding, you know, behind the scenes to get the website and everything going. And I then, do. You know, your your I do. speeches and stuff like that. I pay you. But I think it's really, really funny that. Uh, <laughs> That Jen will throw like uh, an on article, one article up that's like tag simply human moms, and it gets like five thousand shares on Facebook. Yes. Whereas like uh, you know you'll like, grind all these things together, putting it's like oh it's minimal traction, 50, but like if your wife people. is attached to anything, that's yeah. how much people love your wife. Who by the way is an effing saint yes. for putting up with you, and yes. she's really a terrific lady, and I, I I think she I think the world of Jen, but I think that's really really funny that like. If she sneezed on a cocktail napkin and like and tagged that uh, yes. simply human moms, that people would be like, "Oh, that's so great!" Yes, awesome. and uh, she just for all the moms out She's there, very there, insightful, there are a lot the of moms that listen to the show. Yes, and there's a Facebook group. Is that our biggest segment? Um, listeners probably. I feel probably. like from the feedback, it is. Yeah. But who knows? Uh, so she has a. She started a <laughs> Facebook group. Hey, moms, group. how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> She's, she started a Facebook. <laughs> 
I was going to say something, but I stopped myself. I'm glad you did. Yeah. She started a Facebook group, a, a closed group called World's Okayest Moms. And it's, Which, it's, by the way, is a really funny concept. Little, little title yeah. there from her. And so it, it's got close to 5,000 members. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And so if, you, if you're if you a mom and you want to be part of that, there were a couple of moms at the retreat that she talked to. She, Sarah Fergoso is now in World's Okayest Mom. Uh, so that's kind of a, a thing. And that just basically moms going on there and not having to be like, look how great a mom I am. It's like, well, here's man, my I'll kid you, that is with a his, lot of pressure with his head in the toilet. When we had man, men, I don't think men will ever get that. When we had our first, uh, when we had Jason, it was just, I was like, all right, well, kid's born back to work. Like you don't understand from the female perspective, what that's, what's that like, what that's like, especially you know, if you spend a time as like a stay at home or like a, you know, you adjust your work schedule to where you're home more often, it's, it's just, it really is, it can be very trying, I think. And I, I never really understood it fully until now my wife is, is back to work and both of our kids are gone out of the house for the most part during the daytime. And my partner Colt at work, he's in a different boat. His kids are much, much younger. They just had a daughter just a few months ago and his son is probably like 18, 20 months old. And so he'll tell me some of this stuff that like his wife will say, I'm like, oh my God, I get it now. I get yeah. it too late because, you know, it's, you know, our kids are, you know, toddlers and, and you, you know, lost, preschool and, you, and school. And that, you lost your penis in a, in a gun range accident. Uh, I don't understand that sentence. Please diagram that. Hey, you didn't, you didn't put our, our text from Mark and Rick up yet. I did. I did uh, two minutes before we called. Oh, okay. Way. But uh, that's a really great resource for yeah. for women that uh, I'm, I'm assuming because I'm not allowed to be a member of it because I'm a, a right. man. But I can't even uh, like see what's the pressure happening. to be the perfect Pinterest Instagrammy, always making perfect cookies and arts yeah. and crafts yeah. and being the perfect mom. It just it's an ideal that I think all women probably think is what you're supposed to do, but it's not realistic. So yeah, here's a here's a shout out for world's okayest moms. Yeah, like, and we hey, sold. She sold like. 150 t-shirts in three different sales that she's done. Is that more than we've sold entirely? Oh, 20 times more. <laughs> ten, 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 <laughs> 10 times more. Maybe 10 This times. is a, a plug now for the Simply Human t-shirts. Yeah. They're really great. If yeah. you want to buy one, go to simplyhumanlifestyle.com well, so and go I, to the store So I buy a t-shirt. I pay Rick handsomely. Um, and, uh, and the reason I paid you, Rick, is because I took some shirts and mindfolds to the retreat and they sold out before I even talked. No kidding. That's so awesome. That's where that money came from. Well, and so. I'd like to shout out to, uh, we talked about how Lonnie Beecham is going to be our humans being humans guest. Well, his brother, Trey, uh, his Facebook profile picture is him playing some sort of guitar instrument wearing a simply human t-shirt. So I'd like to thank, uh, <clears throat> thank Trey. There you go. Continual shout out. And I do have to share one quick story from the retreat. Jim Laird was there uh, of Jim Laird Drink and Conditioning. He's been on the show a couple of times. That's a beard, man. That is a stout beard. Yeah, he's he's the man. He, you know, he squatted a thousand pounds in his prime. Hmm. Is that not blowing your mind? Yesterday, so So it's not that that big of a deal. So we were staying at the same bed and breakfast. So Jim, Jim, Mm. and Jim and Jen and I were like kind of, you know, uh, taxiing (laughs) around together. And you, uh, you put all your keys in a bowl and yeah, <laughs> uh, Lucy Hendricks and her boyfriend, Dave, who is my uh, long lost soulmate was also, or uh, also we're also there. Uh, so their keys were also in the bowl. Um, and so Jim, like we, that's the Josser retreat. It's a huge bowl that everyone puts their keys in. Oh, <laughs> uh, like everyone's, well, everyone, never mind. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah. Continue. We have derailed. So, Continue so we're like show. headed back to the bed and breakfast after, you know, we went out for dinner or something that night and Jim like had to run into like a Walgreens or something and he comes out and I don't remember. He asked us like, Hey, do y'all need anything? And we're, I thought we said no, but I, we must have said, "Hey, if they have a little singing, dancing Christmas tree, would you would you buy me one of those?" I can see where the confusion. Sometimes yeah. I feel like I'm not saying that phrase, right. but I am am saying right. that phrase. Like, please pass the post toasties joke. And, oh uh, man! Uh, we, and then so he comes back out with his little bag, and then he like hands me this singing, dancing Christmas tree, and he was like, "This just I had to buy this. It's just this was just a mark thing." I was like, oh, okay. So that we brought it home, and the girls and my son love it. And so thank you, Jim, for the. That's why my profile picture is that. That's the Christmas. Oh, uh, okay, I got it. So that explains that. Yeah. Um, that remi- by the way, when you said the post toasties, that reminded me of the joke your dad used to tell that we can't tell in the podcast of the two tickets to Pittsburgh. That's joke. that's what I'm. That's my go-to. That's joke, the joke. By I was. I was referencing. That was the joke. I was. Oh, referencing. it's the same joke. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, so if you've never heard that joke, then. 
<laughs> Call me. Maybe it's on Google. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Can't right, tell it on the podcast. Let's get to our uh, interview with Nate. Uh, yes. Really cool interview. There are some, I think Nate was like walking around the the Wilderness Awareness School during the interview. So there's like, bear some with le- it. Some leaves rustling. Well, it's, uh, or some like, there's some cars, some car noise. Uh, so y- you'll hear some like background stuff, but just bear with it. It's never, it never gets to the point where you just like can't hear him. So, but, and it always gets better very quickly. I think he, He's like running into a closet or something. Um, so let's get. So he's walking around the wilderness is your hypothesis with cars, yeah. which doesn't make sense. And he's jumping into a closet. Right. Hmm. hmm. Well, you'll feel understand. Like maybe you are not very good at this. You'll understand. You'll understand when we when we get to the interview. So before we okay. do that, go to simplyhumanlifestyle.com. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at simplyhuman52. Like us on uh, Facebook and please leave us a review on iTunes. Any publicity is good publicity. Go to the store. The yeah. store is where you'll find Simply Human shirts. You will find uh, links to uh, the Alt Shift book. You, well, actually, there's a banner on the main part of yes. for that. Uh, you'll find information on the Primal Professional, the uh, the dress shoe with the zero drop heel that uh, helps you live a primal life that looks like you are a hedge fund manager who has bought the access to a, a very important medication but decided to jack up the price like at 50,000% to make money. You can look like that, guys. Yeah. Maybe that's a bad commercial, but you can do that. Uh, what's some other things? Uh, uh, Garden Simply of My Glass Human, Jonathan Baylor. Yeah, Simply Human Reset is still yeah. on there. T-shirts, Simply Human T-shirts. The... the point is there's a lot of stuff in there that, you, that we talk about that you uh, can help you live your human life. And yeah. so take five minutes. Put down uh, what, what what do people do to screw around on the computer in the office these days? They still do Minesweeper, or is this 2015 and they are not doing that anymore? Uh, I, I yeah, I think they're all still doing. Okay, well, pause your Minesweeper game. Go to simplyhumanlifestyle.com. Go to the store. Look through some of the products that we're talking about, and uh, you know that will help you help you live your life because we love you. There you go. All right, so there let's get go. to our interview with Nate. We talked to him, or I talked to him, about his background. Yeah, I had to bail last second. But the school bus didn't pick up my son to take him home. It's very random. All right, we talked to Nate about his background. Bow Drill Kids, the Ancient LifeWise Institute, uh, Last Child in the Woods, Nature Deficit Disorder, the three things nature does for us, forest bathing, ways to... <laughs> Ways to access nature, the moon, which also correlates with forest bathing, interacting with natural food, getting in touch with the natural rhythms, and calming down. Here's me. Joining us today on the Simple Human Podcast, this is one uh, that I was, I'm, I've been excited about for a long time, and uh, the Wilderness Awareness School actually reached out to me, and, uh, and when I sort of did some research and looked at the website. It's just a really a cool thing. And I guess they decided that Nate Summers, who is the program director there at the Wilderness School, Wilderness Awareness School, and has been there since 1997, they thought that he was going to be the best spokesman. And uh, and I, I couldn't uh, disagree with that. Nate, uh, according to the uh, About Me section on the website, you like to fish, practice internal martial arts, go on adventures with your, do- with your two daughters, and gather wild foods and medicine. Welcome, Nate. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much, Mark. Thanks for having uh, me on uh, your podcast, and thanks for inviting Wilderness Awareness School. Cool. So if you could just sort of uh, start from the beginning, how did you get to where you are today? What is your story? Yeah, well, you know, I grew up in the Midwest, and I, I was had a normal, you know, um, Outside childhood, you know, uh, that's not so typical anymore. It was pretty typical in the 70s, I think, you know, r- running around barefoot, going down to the pond and catching frogs and catching fish and, you know, climbing trees. And we were kicked out of the house when we were, you know, there was sun up or a little bit after breakfast and then didn't get to come home till dinner, you know, and we figured out lunch at somebody's house along the way. And, um, you know, I think a lot of people miss that childhood now that that's not necessarily what a lot of people are growing up with. Um, and then, you know, I, I did, you know, when I was a teenager, got to go fishing out in, you know, really beautiful parts of the country in Montana and explore some hiking and stuff. But what really kind of has informed my career and who I am and what I do is when I was a teenager, I had a really extraordinary experience getting to go to a a Stone Age immersion camp. Um, it was called an archaeology camp, but really we went and we learned how to live like people lived a long time ago, you know? Um, and we, we 
lived in a, a long house and we um we learned how to make fire with no matches with a bow drill kit we we learned medicinal plants we played sneaking games through the forest and it was run by a man named john white it's called the ancient lifeways institute and we really sort of explored this deep primal human relationship with each other and with the with the natural world and since then you know i i went to college and i studied anthropology but it really informed me ever since then and i um i went there every summer uh through my teenage years and even in college took some people there and so then later when i was done with college i i was looking for something similar to that and it took me a while to f- navigate through different outdoor education places and eventually found wilderness awareness school and it's a very similar uh place and now i help run those kinds of experiences for uh, for adults, for kids, you know, I work with an exceptional staff of really healthy, vital, connected people who facilitate this kinds of experiences. Everything from a nine-month experience, which is our called our Anaki Outdoor School, which is a, a you know, a, a really intense immersive into survival skills and uh, wild foods and and things like that, to you know, summer camps we run that are just five-day day camps for kids in the Seattle area. And, um, and yeah, in my free time, I do try to practice these things as much as I can, you know, and I guess the last thing I'll just let you know that I think is important for anybody who's listening is that, you know, we, we do these things, these wild primal things as part of our programs and, and for our students, but we also work in offices and we drive cars and, you know, we try to ride our bikes to work and, and things like that, but we definitely negotiate the, the modern world too. It's not like we're all just barefoot living in uh debris huts running around in buckskins like that's not how it is you know we we found a way to try to walk in that natural primal world and still be functional and you know be a nonprofit in the 21st century yeah i think that's a good point too anybody that's listening to a podcast probably uses technology probably isn't you know the uh, the Sasquatch out in the woods uh, you know, that has is devoid of all uh, uh, technology. And I will say this: I don't know um, if you if you know this, you probably don't. But a couple of years ago, I did a, a like an outdoor survival training course, and I made my own bow drill kit. And I I was the only person in the in like the class that we were out there for eight days. I was the only person that was actually able to make fire with my bow drill kit. So. Yeah. Super cool, and I, I have still have the bow. I still have my little cedar spindle and the the rock that I use to, to hold the spindle in place and all that. So it's really a cool feeling when you can start fire with your own hands, and then that fire keeps you warm because we had it going the rest of the night, you know. So very cool stuff. Well, um, I know that there's some things that you're particularly passionate about, and uh, so let's let's just dive right into some of these. Um, you know, being uh, being in nature, I feel like is good for everybody. You know that you you can get down to the science of it and say that um, you know vitamin D is is does this and this in the body and the cholesterol and then converts it to blah blah blah. And you have all these things. Well, like, w- what are some of the the healing benefits uh, of of spending time in nature? So what are, uh, if, if you could just restate that real quick, Mark, uh, you, you broke up at the end there. So you were asking what are some of the healing benefits of being in nature? Yes, yes. So I know that there was a recent study done showing that people that had access to nature slept better. Um, yeah. We've already talked about, you know, vitamin D. There's all, all you know, getting fresh air. It, you know, there's all these things, sort of these old wives' tales about why it's good to be outside. But let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, well, I, I think it's 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 really wonderful time to be doing this professionally because there's now starting to be all of this really great research showing exactly what we're talking about, like why it is healthy to be in nature. And and Richard Louvre has done an exceptional job with his his books, um, Last Child in the Woods and Nature Deficit Disorder and things like that. To well, hang on, document. hang on. I'm gonna I'm gonna write those down. Uh, say those again. What are the books? Yeah, uh, Richard Louvre has a book called Last Child in the Woods, and he coined the term uh, Nature Deficit Disorder. And he's he's documented. He he has a website and he documents a lot of this stuff. And basically, they've shown it's pretty clear. There, there's exceptionally good research that shows that nature does three things for us that are, are pretty easy uh, to and clear to document. And, and the, it's sort of indisputable that nature, time in nature, makes us healthier. Time in nature makes us happier, and time in nature makes us smarter. <laughs> And so that's that's kind of indisputable, and I, I, in the sense of like, there's now double 
you know, uh, double blind studies and things. But I remember hearing of a study uh, recently that was just beautiful where they took a bunch of kids outside who had ADD. These are, are all kids who were diagnosed ADD and they just took them for a walk outside. It wasn't even like a structured nature activity. And then they sat down and they were tested to see how much they could focus versus kids who had not gone outside and they could focus like some ridiculous amount of time better, you know? Um, yeah, it's like the, um, the John Medina book, Brain Rules, and uh, I, I probably can't remember it uh, just off the top of my head, but it, it, there's five ways that, uh, that people learn, and yeah. it's like being in chaotic, uh, unpredictable environments, outside, uh, while, yeah. while moving. Um, yeah. yeah, so it's... Oh, uh, I, thought I, I thought I had it on my, on my phone here, but, uh, yeah. but I don't. But anyway, it's kind of what you were talking about, like, yeah, just... And then we and then we decide we're gonna, you know, because it's more convenient, we're gonna make kids sit in a in a little cubicle all day, and yeah. then get mad at them when they act out or when they can't sit right. still because you know it's in every kid's nature to just want to sit still all the time for for, for for not eight hours a day, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. like you know, it, it's very difficult for for kids to to sit still that much, and you know, people are cutting back recess, and and then just for adults too, I think it's really important to realize there's a lot of research that shows. 10 minutes a day in a forest or a natural setting starts to release all of this cascade of all of these wonderful chemicals for your body so that your blood pressure drops and, you know, the, the happy chemicals, endorphins and things start to be released. Uh, you know, some of the, the dopamine starts to be released for the body. These pleasure chemicals come out in us when we actually see and experience nature around us, you yeah. know, and this is just like 10 to 15 minutes um, in Japan now, there's it's pretty common this thing called forest bathing. Uh, we, we've posted some stuff on our website about this, and our executive director just ran a class. It was called uh, Outside and Unplugged, and it was for tech workers to just get outside for a day and to help them de-stress from their you know over uh, all their screen time, all their overly stimulating electronic environment. Yeah, you know? it's so. it's kind of funny. Like I. To me, I don't even need a double blind study. I don't need science, but you just sort of you can look around and just know from experience that when people are have been stressed, it's a high stress time at work. You know, you, you think of accountants after April fifteenth, stuff like that. When people want to get yeah. away, where do they go? They go, they go to the, outside. They yeah. go to the mountains. They go to the beach. They yeah. go to you know uh, the wilderness. They don't like a lot of some people. I guess you could go to like New York or something, but that's not like a. You, you know inherently you're not going to unwind when you go to a big city. That's That might be fun, but that's not where you go to unwind. So I think we have that sort of wired in us automatically that those uh, those environments and those places de-stress us. Yeah. Yeah, and I think they de-stress us in the way you're talking about in, in the, the escape or the vacation. But what I encourage people to do is find ways to try to make it a daily part of their life just for a few minutes, you know, like yeah. a walk at lunchtime or a walk at the end of the day, you know, or just parking their car further away from where their office is and, you know, enjoying a little bit of outdoor time goes a long way. Yeah, so let's talk about that. As the, my next question was, what are some some things that, that you encourage people to do that are living in modernity that have civilization built up all around them, what are some, some easy things and some simple things that people can do to increase their time and exposure to, to nature? Thanks. That's, a, that's such a great question. And I think uh, one of the things is, you know, find the, the little bit of nature that's around you that might you might not be aware of. It might be like the bird nest in the tree on the corner, you know, or it might be the city park that's just a few minutes away or you know, it might be a, a stream and, and just going and finding someplace like that nearby, you can visit, you know, a few times a week, maybe even daily for just a few minutes is great. And then having those places like we were talking about that you get away to, you go away for a day, you go away for a weekend and you know, it's a little bit more of an adventure. It's a little bit more of excitement and it, it, it provides that fun, you know, um, you know, going outside and seeing the moon, you know, at night, going outside and watching the sunset. These are things that, you know, our brains are really dialed into wanting to, to experience that we forget. You know, yeah. you know, just imagine if you can, you know, for everybody, how the, the hidden pleasures of just being around a campfire at night for yeah. so many people, you know. Yeah. Um, and then I guess the other thing I would recommend that is, is something you could do that I really 
enjoy is just trying to find a way to react, interact with food in your environment, you know? So whether it's growing a few vegetables in your backyard or planting some berry bushes, you know, I have raspberries in my backyard. They don't, they don't take a lot of work. They produce berries and they kind of grow all over the place. I got to cut them back is a little bit, but so, um, growing some food, going and finding some food, like, and even if that's just, you know, around here, a lot of people do what's called gleaning. There's all these apple trees that nobody does anything with, you know, even if you just pick, you know, a few apples from, you know, your neighbor's tree that they're not going to use or find a trail that there's an abandoned apple tree on and just, you know, have a few wild apples or that kind of thing. It satisfies something really deep inside of us, you know, that we we don't realize. And if you if you know the next step for some people is fishing or hunting or or gathering more complicated wild foods, but sticking with just like fruits and berries is really good. They're easy to identify. They're, they're around, you know, so. Would you say that, like, somebody lives in New York City, like, I've got a brother who lives in Queens, and, yeah. and I mean, just having, like, a potted plant with peppers in it, or just something, even if it's inside, even if you're are surrounded by concrete, are, is that is that enough to sort of tap into some of those uh, benefits? I think that that helps, you know, and I've heard a lot of, of stories about just growing your own culinary herbs, you know, so having like a little rosemary plant in your house or a little basil plant and, you know, just doing that or, um, you know, uh, even in you know New York City, you know, walking around, getting the fresh air, going in, you know, if you can go down to the water, you know, Central Park is a great park, yeah, you is. know, there's all sorts of great stuff in that park, you know, there's red-tailed hawks and there's a lot more wildlife than people realize, right. but but yeah, no, just having plants indoors is another great thing. Or out on your, your, if you have a little patio, even if you have an apartment, growing a few plants out on that that patio like is is wonders, you know. And or even putting a bird feeder out there and see what birds come by. And then and then, and then have, hunting the birds as they come in, you can shoot them with the BB guns, things like right, that. Is right, that right, what right. You, yeah, or, right. yeah, or you just get to enjoy, you know, the fact that they're they're there, and you know that right. you know even if it's concrete all around, there's still life yeah. know, around. You and know? it's funny that you mentioned the moon because over the last oh probably two years, I have been super in tune with the moon cycle because our yeah. driveway faces a big field. And the, the only thing between our driveway and the horizon is just grass, a nice. flat field. And so and it, and it looks um, east. And so nice. we get like we could just get like a, a front row seat to the whenever it's a full moon. Like I, the only full moons we've missed in the last two years are when it's just been too cloudy to see it. But I know, you know, and that's one thing you can use technology to help you get right. more in tune with nature in some ways. Like that's one of the ways, like I use a little app on my phone that alerts me when, you know, the full moon is. And so I can, and usually like I know, like right now where I'm at, I know we're about a week away from the full moon because of, right. of just, I can just tell by what the moon looks like right now. Uh, right. That we're about a week away. And then you kind of start getting uh, a little more in tune with your, your natural environment. I think that has a lot of, uh, you know, science or no science, there's benefits to that. Yeah, and I think there's a longing in our ourselves as human beings to be in tune with those cycles yeah. more than we are. And that, you know, we used to use the moon for a long time as a way of telling time and calculating months. And and so if it, the more we tune back into it, yeah, it can sort of nourish us or nurture us on some subtle level and reassure our brain that it's yeah. it's happy and healthy and safe and it's connected to those things. And, so. that, and that people think that they can disconnect themselves from those cycles to me and, and not have a negative uh, effect from that to me is just is crazy to think that you can you know you can ignore the circadian rhythms you can ignore it there's a monthly cycle right. there's a daily cycle there's a weekly cycle there's a yearly cycle just to, yeah. to know that we can you know within a day there are cycles within each day and to think that we can just separate ourselves from that that natural rhythm is is crazy um right right yeah well, let's talk about um what happens you know you've you've been doing this for a long time you see people coming in learning these things you know maybe they've never been outside before and then all of a sudden they go through this course and now they know you know, uh, how to track outside and how to tell the directions based on a shadow stick, you know, all these things that you're teaching them. What, what are some of the things that you've seen in people that you work with? Uh, some of the benefits that you've seen in them, like when, when they sort of begin to, to awaken that, uh, that nature inside of them. Yeah, I think what what we tend to see is they they calm down, like, you know, like the, 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 this level of, you know, sort of pervasive, anxiety that's just sort of accepted as a norm in our in our current culture sort of melts away and then 
people just sort of get really happy after that goes away. And they're like, wow, I don't have to worry about that all the time. Or I don't have to be checking my phone all the time. I mean, it's not like people don't check their phone or go on Facebook still. But, but like, you know, they start to get into those natural rhythms. They start to discover that these things and they, they get, you know, happier, more relaxed, I think would be a big one. And then simultaneously, kind of interestingly, they get more excited. So they, they, they have more passion about things. They rediscover things they're really passionate about. I think a lot of our, our people in our, our modern context is sort of like you're either numbed out, you know, where you're not really feeling a lot of anything, or you're like super stimulated and anxious, and there's not a lot of middle ground there. And so as people relax and unwind, then they can rediscover passions, and they start to have a lot more energy, you know. Yeah. Um, they wake up in the morning, and they feel refreshed, and, and they want to go outside and experience the fresh air and, and experience the connection to the to the natural rhythms and, and explore the world around them. And then they just discover how much amazing things there are out there, you know, like how many different kinds of trees there are, how many different kinds of birds, how many different kinds of plants, yeah. and that there is this world around them that they have a desire to know about. And then you just see people get really um, deeply... Uh, passionate, excited, uh, and, and go really deep in subjects. You know, they yeah. get passionate about learning again, maybe for the first time, you know, uh, you know, maybe they had like one or two things in school or in college or whatever that they were excited about. And now they discover, wow, like I'm really into birds or I'm really into plants or I'm really into making fire. I want to know all the different ways of making fire. And I just, I think that co- combination of, of being relaxed and at ease in yourself, but also excited about life and, and really vital, you know. Yeah. Um, a lot of people just discover a, a different way of moving. I know, like uh, on your um, your website, Mark, that there's a lot about mobility and, like, you know, how much is our mobility limited by sitting in chairs and sitting in cars and sitting in all these square things? And then suddenly you're you're interacting with this forest in this three dimensional way with limited trails, and so you have to move your body in all these ways and your body starts to reawaken in a, in a new, interesting way. Yeah, and it's, it's funny that you mentioned that, and also you, you mentioned learning in that same uh, uh, sort of mind thought right in there. It's like yeah. that, that what we talked about earlier with, with Medina, how he talks about learning happens outside in unpredictable and vari- variable environments, and that you yeah. know if you get out into that in those environments, that, yeah, learning becomes something that your brain, which it wants to do all the time, is really primed to do, and, and that that yeah, I, I love the idea that getting getting uh, you know we're either overstimulated or we're on like medication or we're just like we're we're so overstimulated that we just it's almost like we're in the same way that your cells can get insulin resistant, our our brains get sort of like uh, stimulant resistant where they just it can't take anymore, and I'm just going to shut off or I'm going to med- be medicated and just shut off, and it's finding that happy medium yeah is super important. So um, let's let's go into the next uh, subject, and it is this. Yeah. So why why is it that we need nature, like so profoundly on a biological level? Right now, I, so I, this is a question that you know I definitely have asked myself for a long time, and you know ever since I had these really powerful experiences, you know, as a kid, I, I, I and you know as a teenager, I've always curious like why, what is it about us, and and I think the reality is that we're biologically designed to, you know, love nature. And, and I don't know if this is, you know, I, I respect everybody's cosmology and the religious beliefs. So whether you believe it's like God designed it that way, or you believe it's evolution, I don't really care. But I do know that we've spent most of our time as hum, as human beings more outside than we are now. Right. And, and so we and and we've spent a lot of that time moving and working and interacting with nature as how we survived and lived, you know. So, you know, I, I think that that in our bodies, in our brains, in they're designed to want to have these experiences. So it's no mistake that when you take people out of a a modern building with fluorescent lights and you put them in the forest and they walk around for a few minutes, that they start to calm down. Because I think their 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 nervous system expects that their their brain expects that you know the the complexity of sensory input that we receive in uh, in nature is is vastly more complex than what's going on in an office 
you know, even though that's that's paradoxical that it's it, you'd think it's more complex, it wouldn't be more relaxing. It's actually what we want. You know, mm-hmm. we want the wind blowing through the leaves. We want the birds singing. We want the trees. And I don't mean it's a conscious thought or even a even an unconscious thought. It's just what our brains are designed to do. And and what I've seen is is over and over through the years, you take people out tracking, you take them out, teach them survival skills, you teach them out, have them sit quietly in the woods. And that part of their brain that that hasn't been able to be accessed for a while starts to be accessed, and then something really extraordinary happens. Yeah. So, I, yeah. Oh, so yeah. for me, I, I guess it it comes down to I think it's a biological part of being human beings that we're kind of in denial about. Yeah. You know, there's a picture that I've used in some talks that I've done. It's um, I guess it was back in I think it was like the 20s or 30s whenever people started moving in from the country into the cities and they started you know, mm. living in high rises and people were being indoors more. And there's this picture of a kid who is like, oh, probably 20 stories up, but he's in this like little cage right outside the window. Oh. And so it's like so people back then knew that there was a benefit to being outside. There wasn't any other way to access it. There probably weren't like very good elevators back then. So instead yeah. of having to climb up and down this unnatural environment to get outside, they would just like stick their kids out, you know, suspended over 200 feet uh, over concrete. But it's like so, yeah, maybe that wasn't like the safest thing to do, but at least they had the right idea. Like they need to be outside. They need to be getting sun exposure. And it's almost like we've lost that need or yeah. that that even that that knowledge of hey you know what our kids need to be outside we need to be outside we need to be getting fresh air it's like you know what sit inside play video, play your video games and and you'll be fine you know uh, I, that's what i did when i was a kid and i'm i'm only you know slightly type 2 diabetic uh, you know so <laughs> right no i mean i think there's a whole lot of problems and there the government and some other organizations are actually starting to recognize this they they are actually encouraging kids to get outside and play and move and realizing how important it is. And, you know, like th- there is a movement to get kids more outside. And I think that what you're talking about, though, is there's some um, there's some really interesting phenomenon that, you know, we may need to track down more about like, OK, you know, when we have people doing mass shootings or we have, you know, violence or, we, you know, uh, interracial tensions like you know, there's a, those are all complex things and there's complex things that cause them to happen, but how much of them are related to this disconnection that's going on between us and the natural world and, and how much less does that happen if we provide that for people, you know? Um, and I don't mean to say that nature is a panacea, you know, to fix all of our problems, but I do wonder about some of the complicated things around our health problems our over medication, our vast, you know, use of high amounts of psychiatric medication, and some of the other scarier things that sometimes happen around in this country, you know, um, are related to that disconnection from nature. And I and I think well, one of the things we just see in our programs too is that when people do spend more time outside and they they become happy and healthier with themselves, they just tend to treat other people better. You know, they tend to be a little bit more peaceful, you know, and, and not hyper aggressive. And, and, you know, I think that's something to watch, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think especially, uh, you know, we, we, we have a lot of outlets through athletics that are, that are really great for our young, you know, our boys and girls and our young men and young women, but even taking that a step further of like, you know, a little bit more complicated relationship to not just the football field, but the woods and the streams and things, you know, um, but some outlets for those kind of uh, natural human impulses. Right. And uh, we, I told you 30 minutes is going to go by fast. We're coming up on time. There's still a couple questions I need to ask you. One is okay. this, and it, this may be a pretty easy one for you since you like have sort of what I would describe as your dream job, it sounds like. Um, but what is, what is one thing you do um, to enjoy life or something you do to make life more enjoyable? Right. Well, I try to... Um, spend time outside either by myself or with my kids pretty much every day regardless of the weather conditions and even if it's dumping rain which it does here in the pacific northwest i tried to spend some time doing that i think that's a a a way to make your life more enjoyable awesome and then and then finally where can people find you how can they connect with your wilderness school uh give us all that all that good stuff yeah, the best way to find us is, uh, you know, on the web. We have a website, www.wildernessawareness.org. And we're also on Facebook. 
and you know that's that's a way to get in touch with us and we have programs locally but there's also schools like us around the world now around the country and and we have long distance programs for people we have a great program it's called the Kamana naturalist training program that's a set of exercises where people can go out and do these things in their own environment and learn all all about their nature uh, long distance Awesome. So, well, yeah, Nate, I, I kind of appreciated that it, it kind of took us a while to finally get on the same page because, and this is what I appreciate, like sometimes, you know, you were unavailable because you weren't checking email, which is, which is good. Right. You know, it's like, we don't always have to be tied to our, uh, <laughs> to our computers. Right. So I thought that was good. Hey buddy, don't do that. My son is over here, uh, banging into the mirror. So this is going to be fun. Uh, if you <laughs> Um, all right. Well, Nate, I really appreciate this. Uh, hang out for just a second. I'm the I'm going to end the interview, but uh, don't hang up yet. But this has been okay. a real pleasure, and I really appreciate you doing this. All right. Thank you, Mark. You're listening to the Simply Human Podcast. All right. It is now that time, Rick. It is the hot dog segment. We need to explain, I think, really briefly to people why we started calling this the hot dog segment, especially for new users it's, it's, or new it was, listeners. There's two main segments, and this is like the middle segment. Yeah, there's so, the main segment, which is uh, the interview, the interview, the big interview, the substantive thing, and then there's the thing that we love the most, which is the humans being human. And sandwiched in between that, we had to have a little transition. So it's like this is like the hot dog in the middle of the bun. So that's and how we started calling it the hot dog we, segment. We, I also we've been calling it that forever, I, and I feel like we haven't appropriately I also, discussed that with people. I think we need to explain something that off the air that we do that like we I, you know I'll say okay we need to record the ins and outs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we have... That's we our have, shorthand for yeah. uh, the, intro, the beginning the segment, tip. the intro segment, and the outs. Like uh, the ins, We call it the ins and outs because the ins into the interview and the yeah. outs from the interview. So you'll see periodically, like I'll do a text from Mark and Rick, uh, a funny exchange for text. And it's usually centered around scheduling when to record and say, hey, let's do the ins and outs tomorrow at 9 a.m. Well, if people don't understand what that means, that's what that yeah. is. So that's the intro segment. But, that's basically all of the parts of the show that are not... The Humans Being Human segment and the main interview, we call that, we just refer to that as ins and outs. And we have started referring to that as... By our, your mom's name. Or or our wives' names. Like, we need to do that. No, we need to do, do that. The, we need don't to do, do that, Jen. Yes, you I do. You have done that. Like, we need no, to do, I do not. We need no. to do the Debras. Like, that, that's Rick's mom's name. So, like... <laughs> That's that's what that, that's like. That's Mark's hilarious <laughs> sex joke for like ins and outs. Get it? It's like I'm you, doing your mom. You started it. I did not start that. I don't think there's a soul listening to this that thinks that I started that. Mark Rogers. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Nate. Right, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Thank uh, you for your very professional interview, yeah. Wilderness Man. <laughs> so go to. We're gonna ruin it by uh, uh, yelling and making sex jokes. Go to wildernessawareness.org. I believe that's short for orgasm, and uh, or you can go to okay, Facebook, or you can just search that, yeah. Wilderness Awareness School uh, on Facebook, and they've got a really cool Facebook page as well. I just I, I unliked it because I had already liked it, so I could say I just liked it. So there's that. Hmm. All right. So Lonnie Beecham, right? That's how you say his last name. I think it is. Yes. Uh, Benny Tortorich calls him Lonnie Bochamp. Bochamp. I think there is a. Oh, never mind. That no one will know that. Okay. So Lonnie was on. Which uh, story did he tell? Wasn't it about his uh, vasectomy or something? Yes, he told the uh, humorous vasectomy story, which feels like that's not. That's somewhat of a, uh, what do you call it, an oxymoron. But yeah. no, it was very funny. So, and Lonnie's got a million stories. We've been meaning to have him on for months. but So we don't know what story he's going to tell, but uh, here's, here's Lonnie. All right, so uh, Lonnie is back, uh, as we mentioned in the in the intro. Um, and we have no idea what story. Do you even know what story you're going to tell? Have you been thinking about it? We texted you and like, I don't right, know. We, we give you like three minutes notice here. So right. Rick, I don't know what I mean, I don't know of a human being human story that I haven't already shared with you all. Well, I think I, mean, you I got just, cool work stories and stuff. Yeah. Hey, let's do some cool work stories, because for those who are not in the know, Lonnie uh, does a uh, I f- feel like it's a good way to describe like what you do to use that line from uh, what's that movie about the kidnapper with Liam Neeson where he says, I have a very particular set of skills. Oh, well, yeah. Saving, saving Private Ryan. Yeah. Thank you, Mark. Uh, Lonnie has a very particular set of skills. Uh, he cleans up like, uh, like crazy, like dead animal messes and, uh, like biological cleanup and stuff like that. And I clean carpets too. (laughs) Yeah. You clean anything there is to clean. 
I'm sure you don't have any great carpet cleaning stories, but uh, you have a million stories. You'd be actually street. amazed what 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 stories I have just from carpet cleaning. It, it's amazing. Well, let's talk about that. When you go in people's homes. What what some of the things uh, that you've not, seen? Uh, it, it's amazing when you're in a, in someone's home. How you see how they live. I've been in like an upscale home just a few months ago. And I'm not kidding you one bit. I moved the couch to clean the clean underneath it, and there was a used tampon under the the, the couch. And oh. and that's awkward when the lady's standing there and I'm standing there and I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I don't want to touch it. And she's red faced and embarrassed. And I'm like, uh, you you left something here. <laughs> God, how does that even I don't happen? Know what, I don't know how. I don't know what goes through someone's mind to not dispose of that properly in the proper place. But I mean, I've left oh used no, tampons. I've I've left used tampons like on the floor of a public restroom, but never I would never leave one of my used tampons under my I was going to say, hey, Lonnie, I didn't know you cleaned Mark's house. That's uh, <laughs> crazy. <laughs> but no, I I get uh, people call me to, uh, you know, when they have dead animals in their crawl spaces or attics or in their walls. Um, they call me and, and I have some tools and tricks and tips that, that I utilize. And What is a trick and, uh, for getting a dead animal out of a cross face? <laughs> you, first, you have to resurrect them. First, you sprinkle <laughs> spices and you, you uh, do like a rain dance of some kind and then you resurrect them. A, we- a, real, a real Weekend at Bernie's type situation you get going on there. Yeah, they always wonder why I'm taking my clothes off. I'm like, I got to do my special dance here to, to find them. <laughs> Got to make it go clockwise, and it's uh, really terrific. <laughs> so how does an animal yeah. – something interesting you just said, and maybe this is my naivete showing through, but I live in a house with no dead animals in it. How does a dead animal get in between your walls? It's it's usually a mouse or a squirrel. Uh, they'll they'll not, not squirrels as often, but it's usually a dead mouse. And okay. they'll find an electric line, and they'll just drop down, and they get actually usually electrocuted in the uh, – in the in the box that's hilarious or they just get down there and they can't get up and you know can't find their way out of the hole and they just die so a follow-up and, question and, is it just because like man there's something very stank in my house i don't know what it is or how does someone diagnose that it's a dead animal well everybody has a mouse in their house somewhere i mean you may not see it but you go up in your attic and you, you'll see evidence of mice in your attics and they just they're just running along pooping as they go and and live in life, and, and they find this little hole, and they like, let's go see what's in down there, and then they <laughs> can't find that hole to get back out. And That's what he it's said. It's not a hygiene problem. <laughs> it, it, it's not a hygiene problem when it's a dead mouse, but usually uh, crawl spaces, I mean, just a couple weeks ago, I, I could smell a dead armadillo. The, the people were reporting that a neighbor shot an armadillo, crawled under their deck. They can't find it. I spent five hours looking for this thing. There's flies everywhere. It smells to high heaven. Um, there's evidence and the smells of a, of a dead animal, but I tore their deck apart, couldn't find nothing. And I still charge them, though. Don't, don't, <laughs> I, was about to don't say, think I didn't get paid on that day. <laughs> when you smell don't think a I don't dead, get paid. When you smell a dead, rotting animal carcass, do you just hear cash register signs, the cha-ching? Oh, oh yeah, oh, yeah. And especially when they say crawl space or attic, there's a premium to, you know, to wear the suits and the gloves and the and all the stuff I have to wear just to crawl in there. And, you know, I'm fighting other dead, not other dead animals, but, you know, <laughs> always got to check and make sure there's no raccoons. There's like zombie, the there's and, zombie beavers attacking you, uh, dead beavers. Well, he's are, like, nope, uh, I'm looking for a dead mouse. That's clearly a dead cat. That's clearly a dead horse. That's clearly a dead dog. I'm looking for the mouse. I can't, uh, they're not charging me to find the... There's a dead horse, like a dead like Shetland pony, <laughs> crawled up underneath the crawl space and is stinking the house. Well, up. I was gonna What's say, the, what? Hold on, Rick. Go ahead, Mark. Just really quickly, I was gonna say that uh, Rick would never have that problem if he's an animal because he could never find the hole to begin with. Hey. Oh. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. So, what is the most disgusting dead animal uh, retrieval story that you have? Surely these get pretty ridiculous. Well, usually. The most invasive stuff I do is is bat guano cleanup. Uh, those things can get everywhere. Um, but dead animals, I mean, just oh, uh, three months ago, I, I found two. Two. It was kind of cute. I found two mummified, skeletonized possums up in the belly of a of a trailer. Did were they you, hugging and, each other? Uh, were they spooning? They were. They were. They were hugged hugged up. And I thought, well, that's kind of sweet. They died in each other's arms. 
And, we can't uh, find no, the hole. We can't find the hole. No. Hold me. Now, do you say something? Like, do you have a little um, Hail Mary full of great? Like, do you do it like any sort of ceremony for these animals? Or do you just like shove them in a bag with the other dead animals? Shove them in the bag, brush the maggots off my suit, and throw them in the bag and crawl out and collect my check, and I go home. Mm. That and reminds then, me. And then I, I text Ruel. Yeah. <laughs> that reminds me I of always a scene text Ruel from... these these pictures of, of the dead animals that I get. He likes to see the, the oh. dead animals. Well, that doesn't really surprise Ruel. me about Ruel. I yeah. feel like that's how he gets down. But that's you know you gotta let your freak flag fly. <laughs> that whole scene reminds me of a scene from The Simpsons uh, where. They're showing like the emergency room of a vet clinic, and they're trying to bring this gerbil back to life. And like the whole team is around him, like scalpel. Oh, we're losing him! Like trying to shock him back, and all of a sudden they, they flatlines. Like, oh, this is the part of the job I hurt the worst. And they just pick the gerbil up by the tail and throw it into the clo- <laughs> into the corner where there's a trash can with like a basketball hoop in there, and they like just <laughs> chunk it in there. That's what reminds can me I, when you say that. Can I tell a, a, a brief story? And not, uh, well, not a story sure, about underwear. Show. Not a story about underwear. Um, I might have told this on the podcast before, but when my brother Jeff, who's been on the show, was was in college, he had a roommate that had. Uh, well, there were two roommates. One of them had a couple of gerbils, and and so you know there was like the I don't know what they named them something stupid, and they had this little had the house gerbils. Rick, have I told you this story before? I don't think I've heard this. Okay, so what they would do? To I these, haven't heard it. Yeah, yeah, definitely Lonnie hasn't. So what they uh, what they used to do, not the owner of the gerbils, but my brother and this other guy, they would put these gerbils in like a sack and like spin the sack around and then let the gerbils out and they would go like drunkenly walking like they're, like they're super dizzy. That is the well, meanest thing so, I've ever heard in my life. But listen, so one one day, not my brother, the other roommate that would do this, put these two gerbils in the end of like the a little sack that uh, like a newspaper goes in you know there's one of those little flimsy sacks yeah. that, so it's kind of a long narrow sack so he's like he's got like he's got like 10 minutes to kill that's what she said yeah that is what she said. <laughs> he, he's, he's got like 10 minutes to kill before class and he's like well let's see what am i oh yeah i can uh, i could give the gerbils a little a little spin so he puts that's, that's, that's so ridiculous <laughs> so he what puts you to kill two minutes oh i can screw with these animals yeah okay. so he puts just wait so he puts the gerbils in the end of this newspaper sack and starts to <laughs> And the end of the bag broke open. Oh my god! <laughs> and the two gerbils like went flying across the room, like slammed, it, <laughs> slammed into the wall, and both died on impact. Oh no! Is that not <laughs> the word? That, that they were they were. I I always imagine like those poor gerbils were probably biting through the bag, like in. Let, the- let me out! Let me out! Let me out! Oh god! Stop <laughs> this again! Yeah, like kill me! No. I want I want to end this. Kill me now! Oh, I'm so. glad you're getting a good laugh out of that, Mark, because uh, <laughs> there's nothing funny about cruelty to animals. <laughs> He's right. That's right. I'm probably gonna get an email about why I'm laughing so hard. Oh, I guarantee you're gonna get an email. Yeah. And don't email me because I think Mark's an idiot. <laughs> so, well, Lonnie, uh, thank you. We, we yes, are. Lonnie, we're at ten super minutes. Thank you because this was so short notice. Uh, we're not gonna ruin it right now by, but like the humans being human, we plan on doing today. We revamped it last second, and we're like, wait, it would be better if we if we retool it and do it this way. So we're like, crap, who are we going to call? Well, Lonnie is uh, a, a listener of our program. He's a good friend to the Simply Human movement, and that's what she said. And uh, <laughs> at, at pretty much last notice, pretty much we're like, hey, can you do this now? And he's like, sure. So, Lonnie, thank you for taking time out of your uh, your day, which is sp- filled with like just scooping up animal carcasses with uh, <laughs> shovels and putting them in sacks. Thank you for taking time out to be a part of our show. You're welcome. I'm now heading to clean up bat droppings. Uh, I'm actually gutting a house over bats. Oh. Three levels. I think you can, sell, you can sell guano for some money, I think. Uh, bumblebee tuna. That's I think that's amazing. Yeah, put, put that on your link that you, you can't ever seem to remember what it is. We're fixing that, by the way. We just had a conversation yeah. off air about fixing that. So, yeah. yes. Thank you very much, Lonnie. We appreciate it. And uh, You're welcome. We love you. Uh, bye, Lonnie. We'll see you. Bye. All right. Thank you, Lonnie. I don't, we hadn't recorded yet, but I'm sure it was funny. Um, <laughs> That's a ringing endorsement yeah. from Mark Rogers. <laughs> okay. It's now time for the tip of the week, something you can start doing today to become a more healthy human. And uh, this is a quote from Austin Kleon, not Klingon, you Star Trek nerd. Um, and not uh, Cleo, like the character from uh, 
coming to America? No, not not him either. Cleo, the guy who ran the McDowell's, <laughs> right? <laughs> the dad from Good Times. Oh, such a good, such a good uh, show movie. Austin Kleon from Steel Like an Artist. Okay, so check this out. Nobody is born with a style or voice. We don't come out of the womb knowing who we are. In the beginning, we learn by pretending to be our heroes. We learn by copying, not talking about plagiarism. Plagiarism is trying to pass someone else's work off as your own. Copying is about reverse engineering. It's like a mechanic taking apart a car to see how it works. We learn to write by copying down... Wait, yeah, we learn to write by copying down the alphabet. Musicians learn to play by practicing scales. Painters learn to paint by reproducing masterpieces. Remember... Even the Beatles started as a cover band. So the the tip of the week is copy people or things that, that you want to emulate. And like like for instance, like this is I am copying Brian Johnson of Philosopher's Notes. That's where I get all my tips of the week. I'm not I've never tried you know, I'm not saying <laughs> Thank I'm, you, Brian, by yeah, the way. I'm not like going out saying, Oh, I found this tip because I read Austin Klingon's book. Like I got this from an email that that I've subscribed to. So like I'm you know, and like, well, I think yeah. I think that's a really good point, and that's uh, something that I used to tell when I would train uh, rookie police officers when I was still a training officer. Is that you know you have to find there are a thousand different personalities that that make up a police department. Uh, you know, we can insert a joke there, but like <laughs> you have to find your voice, and it takes years to find your your approach. My approach is significantly different than another officer's. I have a very unique approach, and so that's what I would tell them: is hey, you're not going to know your approach for a couple of years, so. Find an officer. It could be anybody that you – doesn't matter. Somebody who's good, somebody who's competent, somebody you look up to, someone who does a good job. And just do what they do until you figure out your way, right. until you figure out the way that best works for you. And uh, it's kind of the same principle that, that they're talking about here is that you you have to that, – that's how we get to, to where we are is you find what you want to be and you copy some of those things until you're there. Does that make – I mean that sounds very – very flighty but it's it really is yes you know yeah and you know an, another another example of that nate sent me some questions uh to ask him and so one of the questions in the interview that i asked and he says oh that's such a good question he, he that was the question that he sent me wow so, so finally you got yeah. someone we're interviewing to say that you have a good question but you didn't even ask you right. didn't, it wasn't I didn't even, even question. i didn't even come so up nice. with it yeah so that's by the way the i have simply human tip of the week part two that i just thought of uh so kate galliette very big friend of the show, had a video on her Facebook uh, under Fit for Real Life maybe about a month ago about improving posture. It's not just about shoulders down and back. There's several different things, several different ways of improving your posture. And one of the tips she gave is when you're in your car, put your head against the headrest. That's what it's for. A lot of times you roll your shoulders forward. You're not Your back isn't properly aligned with the seat, so try doing that. So I started doing that because I spend a crazy amount of time in the car. Well, I developed a little tiny tinge of lower back pain, nothing crazy that up into my life, but just kind of an annoyance pain. I would do deadlifts and it was not going away. So it's like, well, maybe that's just, you know, what happens from, you know, being a police officer and carrying around this heavy duty belt for 10 years on my waist. Well, I started doing this thing with my head on the headrest. And you know what I realized yesterday is my lower back pain is gone. Like I don't feel it at all. Huh. And that's the only change I've made in my life. So uh, go to Kate's Facebook page, Fit for Real yeah. Life and her website, fitforreallife.com. Her tips are good. Her tips work. And she's a super smart lady. And I texted her and told her about this. And she was like, oh, that's so great. And there's a lot of cross between people. That's my Kate Galliott impression. <laughs> there's a lot of cross between our people and her people. Yeah. And she said that she's been in connect with a lot of Simply Humans uh, to, to train for. So go to her thing and listen to what she says because she's super smart. There you go. There's our the tips of the week. And really quickly, uh, to talk about some back pain that you used to fabricate back when maybe you were holding a girl's hand uh, and then you would stand up and pretend like you had lower <laughs> back pain. So, you, <laughs> so if you don't understand that, then... Uh, if you don't understand you're, that, you're a man. You're, you're not a you're man. A, you're so. a woman. <laughs> wow. All right. That's very classic. You got me on that one. All right. So go to the website. Simply. I got to put all these books on my lap real quick. <laughs> Oh, it's just my pants. When I sit down, it's just my pants come. They just bunch up. It yeah. makes it look like I've got to on. Oh, You're man. such an idiot. All right. <laughs> Go to the You're website. the best kind of idiot there is. The idiot that makes me laugh yeah. all the time. All right. I love you, Mark. Oh, I love you too, Rick. And that's why I pay you. I think if we break it down per hour, you I pay you like one quarter per hour. <laughs> 
All right. So go to the website, simplyandlifestyle.com. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on YouTube. We've been putting some uh, YouTube. Oh, and follow us on Periscope and Instagram and Twitter at simplyhuman52. A uh, lot of cool stuff. We're, we're about to actually have a, a guest blogger on our Simply Human Kids page. Um, yeah. So that should be cool. I'll probably I'll try to do that before this uh, this goes up. But coming up next time, we have Aaron Alexander of AlignTherapy.com. He has been on uh, many uh, podcasts. You probably heard him if you listen to Vinny Torres' show. Uh, Evan Brand's not just Paleo, uh, Simple Human oh. Zone. Evan Brand, uh, Rob Wolf's podcast. Uh, Abel James, Simple Human Zone. Abel James has been on the show. And he's been on Abel's show. So this guy is sort of making the rounds, and he's a movement guy. AlignTherapy.com. Uh, so Aaron's going to be on next time. We've got uh, a couple of PhDs, on one on sleep, one on like insomnia coming up, and uh, a lot of cool stuff. We're going to have uh, Chris Brandon. We already talked about he, he listened to the show and like texted me, so I'm going to show him with like a, like a vomit uh, <laughs> So, uh, all right, so there, there it is. Um, That's I, it. Not eating anything else? Stop talking. Okay. So uh, here we go. That's going to do it for this edition of the Same Human Podcast. And remember, oh, my God, I get it now. I get yeah. it too late. Because you know it's you know our kids are you know toddlers and, and you, know, you lost preschool and, you, and school and that, you lost your penis in a in a gun range accident. So until next time, enjoy yourself.